Welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast. I'm Chris Bevin, sports editor of the Canton Repository. Joining me, fellow rep sports writers Cliff Hickman, Joe Scalzo, and Mike Popovich. And in just a second, Todd Porter, the repository special projects editor, who is at the Maslin Glen Oak game, which is our Akron Children's Hospital game of the week, powered by iHeartRadio, and turned out to be kind of a surprise and that it was a rout. Uh, Todd, uh, tell us what happened there. Maslin 49, Glen Oak nothing, and uh, it really was uh, pretty much one-sided all night. It was one-sided all night, and I'm not sure that 49 nothing does it justice in terms of just how dominant Maslin was uh, over Glen Oak. I mean, Maslin did whatever it wanted to do um, on the ground, in the air, offensively, defensively, you name it. Uh, this was all Maslin. Um, and it's kind of surprising because this is, uh, this is a series that this was the 10th game in this series since it uh, had been renewed um, on a regular basis. And, and I believe in six of those uh, previous nine games, the games have been decided by three points or less. Uh, so, you know, Glen Oak's got some work to do, and uh, unfortunately for, for Glen Oak, uh, they've, got, uh, they've got a tough road to hoe here because uh, Kendall Richardson, their quarterback, who's a dual threat, uh, suffered what seemed to be a pretty serious lower left leg injury. Uh, they brought him, uh, they, they, they carted him off the field uh, on a stretcher uh, and, and took him away in an ambulance. So uh, I would venture a guess that says that, uh, you know, JT Cook is going to be sophomore, um, completely different quarterback, is going to be thrown into action pretty quickly for Glen Oak. And for Maslin, i got to tell you, man, this, uh, this Maslin team really does look like the real deal. I just don't know uh, how you stop them. They, they scored 84 points. Uh, in, in, in two games now, and they did that with uh, a running clock tonight. Todd, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, we're, you know, we're early in the season, obviously, only two games in, but two decisive victories for Maslin against St. Vincent, St. Mary, and Glen Oak, coming off a Final Four run last year. I mean, what, what is the potential for this team? Well, you know, it is early, so you don't want to build up too much. Uh, this everyone's got to stay healthy because uh, I'm I'm a big believer that uh, you know even even teams that are really really good early in the season and, and people start putting that playoff moniker on them even after week week one and week two. Um, you know if if they suffer an injury here or there, I mean that can completely change the uh, complexion of their season. But having said that, Mike, this is a team that I mean. They've got a lot of pieces. Jameer Thomas tonight at running back, um, close to 200 yards rushing. He ran at will against against uh, a, a decent Glen Oak team. I mean, this Glen Oak's not chopped liver, guys. I mean, this is a this is a major, it's a big Division One football team. Scott Garcia knows how to coach football. He knows how to get the most out of his team. And, and Maslin, you know, ran roughshod over them. Uh, but you know, I, I think the potential for them, Mike. And I said this uh, on the post-game wrap-up with, with Sam Berkwin and Jeff Shreve. I think the potential for them right now, Masson doesn't need to play whoever is on their their, their you know listed next on their schedule. Masson needs to play against itself, and they need to improve each week, and they need to find ways to get better and better and better. I think that's what that's how good teams become great. 
What uh, what were your thoughts on on the Tigers once they got the big lead as far as the focus? Because I thought that might have been was pretty impressive. They they put the game away. You you see a lot of teams let those games hang around. Case in point, last week McKinley probably had a chance to really put away Harding and didn't do it. Yeah, you know, I don't think Massive lost focus. As a matter of fact, I was actually pretty impressed um, late in the third quarter with some of the uh, just the way Massive's second team kids played. Uh, in that third quarter when the game was put away, they had a, a receiver who made a nice diving one-handed catch. They had a running back on a second and third effort who, who, who converted a third down and kept a drive going and they scored on the very next play. Um, so I wasn't, you know, Maslin's effort was, was right there. You know what really surprises me? I, and, and I should mention this. I, I, I failed to mention this in the open. Aiden Longwell, their quarterback, he doesn't get a whole lot of credit, I don't think, for being the leader that he is. And, you know, he's not going to jump off at the stat page or the roster at you. He goes, you know, about six foot, 170 pounds. He's committed to Kent State to play baseball. He's a left-handed quarterback. and it, But he throws a really nice football. And here's the thing that uh, a lot of really, really good or, or great high school quarterbacks lack that he has. He's got poise. He's very, very poised uh, in the pocket. He's very poised in the huddle. And I think that has a tendency to run through to the rest of the offense, uh, that, that level of, of being poised. So Maslin, guys, is going to be a team to watch. And, you know, I know, I, I think Mike was maybe at the, the best game of the night, uh, where, where Central Catholic and Perry went back and forth in a game that, that sort of is, you know, what, a couple blocks separate these two schools and, I'm sort of interested to hear how that game went, Mike. Yeah, uh, I wasn't surprised at all that the game was as as, as, as close as it was. Um, Perry holding on for a 28-27 victory over Central Catholic. Uh, Central Catholic scored late in the game uh, on a halfback pass from uh, Corlin Armour-Smith to Joe Roth. And then after uh, a series of timeouts uh, that took about 10 minutes, uh, including three by Perry, um, Central is unable to convert on the uh, two-point conversion, but uh, you know I was really impressed with uh, really Central's resiliency uh, in, in this game. Um, they they were able to uh, um, you know withstand uh, a couple of good drives from Perry, including uh, the go-ahead touchdown run, and they're able to put themselves in position to. Uh, uh, possibly win the game at the end. I, I don't think anybody in the uh, stadium was surprised that uh, Central chose to go for the win instead of the uh, overtime tie. Um, you know, Perry goes to two and zero on the season. Um, they don't. I don't think they really played their best game. They had a lot of penalties, uh, holding calls, including one that wiped out a touchdown. I know that's uh, one concern that Keith Wakefield at, had after the game, but. Uh, uh, it was just a matter of survival for Perry tonight as they were able to uh, hold on for uh, the win. You know, and, and we talked, Mike, uh, about playoffs after, you know, two weeks of high school football, and, you know, maybe it's a little bit unfair. But we, we've all heard that coming in, into the regular season how good Central Catholic may be. What, uh, did anything jump off the page? I mean, would you, would you still put them in the category of being, you know, a team to watch come week 8, 9, 10, and then going into the playoffs? Well, yeah, I think because, uh, you know, they're a more experienced team this year than they were last year. Um, you know, even though uh, uh, Perry was able to get uh, three hundred over 300 yards rushing uh, tonight against them, I didn't think uh, Central's defense played all that bad. Um, 
and they have uh, their offense, uh, Dylan Johnson. They, they haven't had a veteran quarterback uh, for I don't know about three or four years. You know, going back to when uh, Jake Picotti took them to uh, uh, their first of three state championship games, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know, I think you know a good showing tonight against Perry, uh, as, as well as a win over uh, a Bellevue team last week that's, uh, I believe, made to the regional finals last year. Um, you know, even at one and one, that's that's still, uh, that's got to be a good sign for uh, Jeff Lindesmith, the way uh, his team has played the first two weeks. Hey, Todd, we appreciate you for coming on here, talking about the Maslin Glen Oak game. Todd will be back uh, next week with the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio. continues Friday, September 7th, when Louisville hosts Green. Kickoff 7 p.m. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season as Sam Berkwin and Jeff Shreve provide the call each Friday night with Todd on the sidelines. Todd, thanks a lot for joining us. Hey Chris, thanks, and and just uh, um, to throw you a little bit of a curveball, I'm not I'm not certain I'm not certain what that uh, week three game is going to be yet. Uh, you know, we we talked after the game and and uh, talk of an audible. You know, uh, yeah, we may we, we may audible in, in week three, and that's the beauty of this of this uh, partnership with Akron Children's Hospital, iHeart, and and Friday Night Ohio and the Canton Repository. Uh, we have some flexibility. We're almost gonna. We may flex the schedule a little bit uh, in, in week three because when you look and see uh, undefeated Hoover playing undefeated Akron East, that's a game that uh, has kind of piqued some interest there, and you know that could be that could be a make or break game for Hoover. Not, not a make or break game for Hoover, but if Hoover uh, is able to win that game and go to three and zero against a, a pretty good Akron East team. I think it sends a message to the rest of the Federal League and the county that uh, North Kent Hoover is a team to be taken seriously this year. Yeah, we're about to talk about Hoover, and I think that's, uh, like you mentioned, a huge game for them. They get 3-0 and going into the league. Same thing with Lake next week when they play Copley. They get 3-0 and going into league play for both of those teams. I think they can each... Uh, look to maybe make some noise down the road, especially in the Division Two playoffs. And I think there's a lot of good choices next week with eight uh, Stark County teams, two and zero. Oh. Uh, there's definitely some people playing good football right now. Yep. Hey guys, I appreciate the time and appreciate all the hard work that you guys do every Friday night back there. All right, thank you, Todd. We'll talk to you next week. Mike uh, and bring in Joe Scalzo right now to, to talk about Hoover and Louisville. And uh, I thought uh, this was a big game for Hoover to kind of back up what they did last week, Joe, when they were uh, able to win on the road against Brush, playing their big rival and, uh, you know, looking like they were in charge all night. Yeah, and, you know, they, they started 3-0 and a couple of years ago, but this feels a little bit different. It feels like a little bit maybe more solid. And and uh, we were interested to see, you know, what Louisville would do after, you know, kind of a disappointing loss last week. and. And they might be in a tough spot right now, whereas I think, you know, Hoover's got to feel pretty confident with their chances of maybe breaking through this year in their fourth year under Brian Baum and, and maybe getting back to that po- that postseason. Hoover, uh, as Todd mentioned, playing Akron East next week. East, uh, you know, we saw, you know, last week come in and win at Jackson. Big win for them. And obviously it's a team that's been in the playoffs the last couple of years, sent a lot of kids uh, to Division One college football, mostly at Akron and the MAC, but uh, they definitely have some athletes um, that was a, a big turning point for Hoover last year, this game against East. Yeah, and I think it, uh, you know, they've kind of, this is the kind of team you want to see maybe have that one non conference game that really stands out more than anything else 
to kind of get them ready for what they might see from a Glen Oak or what they might see from a McKinley and uh, kind of get used to that that level of speed. And uh, also, you know, if you get that win, you, you get a lot of playoff points and you got to feel like, hey, if we can beat them, you can probably beat anybody in your schedule. McKinley also 2-0. and You saw them last week uh, when they uh, when they beat uh, Warren Harding, Joe. Tonight, uh, 31-6 to over Buchtel. Looked like McKinley didn't really get its running game going tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. They had some big plays. Defense uh, came up with some uh, turnovers, and it sounded like Buchtel uh, shot itself in the foot quite a bit. What, uh, what are your thoughts on McKinley right now? Well, I, I mean, there's a lot to like, but they didn't really run the ball real consistently last week either. So that's probably a concern just because – you know, you, you want to be able to, like, grind out those sustained drives and, and kind of not rely on the big play so much. So, you know, it's kind of interesting to see what they've done, but I like the way their schedule kind of sit, sets up for them. The, the, really, the strongest teams on their schedule are kind of in the back end there, so, you know, it, it's maybe a good chance for them to, to get that young team a little bit more experience and, and make a run. Oh, we look at teams who uh, were able to bounce back uh, uh, after uh, season-opening losses, and uh, one of those teams tonight was the uh, Marlington Dukes. And, uh, you know, let's bring Cliff Hickman into the conversation here. Uh, Cliff, uh, Marlington uh, loses to Poland last week, but they're able to come back and even the record uh, tonight. How, how were they able to do it? They seem to carry over that late offensive momentum they build against Poland. Blaine Himmelheber with another great game for Marlington. He had what they believe is a school record against Poland, 17 catches. Didn't need that many tonight against Kent Roosevelt. Five catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. One carry for 32 yards. They easily won 35-7. to they have a lot of weapons there at Marlington. You saw that backfield can really make teams black and blue. Two downhill runners, Anthony Sabatino and then Travis Winuskis, a great linebacker, also had a lot of carries tonight. They averaged a lot of yards, split it between the two of them. This is probably the team that is shaping up to be the most dangerous in that new Eastern Buckeye Conference. And they've got St. Joan of Arc from Canada next week. You may see a lot of points put up by Himmelheber, uh, quarterback C.J. Griner, Winuskis, and, of course, Sabatino. I think that's going to be a big offensive night for those guys. Yeah, Cliff, I was going to ask you if uh, you thought, and, of course, we've we've said before it's, it's early, obviously. We're only two weeks in. If you thought that Marlington uh, might be, if you're looking at uh, EBC title favorites, if they would be the team, um, you know, another team that, you know, I I consider you know you'd throw into that lot would be West Branch. I mean, they've been off to a good start as well. Yeah, West Branch had a uh, another really really high scoring affair against Beaver Local. They put up fifty points tonight. They can score on the ground. Uh, just looking at the quality of opponents right now, I still say Marlington's the favorite personally. I think they have the makings of a just a terrific offense. We don't talk about C.J. Griner much uh, tonight, at least, but he can make all the throws. He can do everything they need need to do. And the defense against Poland really showed me a lot. I think they're a very complete team. Going to be hard to knock them off, Mike. Uh, Joe, going back to the Federal League, uh, the Lake Blue Streaks, 2-0. and Doubled their win total from uh, last season when they went 1-9. and <laughs> Tonight they beat uh, Dover 41-21. Um, what do you think's been kind of the difference for Lake this year um, compared to last season? 
Well, for one thing, Paul Troyer got hurt pretty early in the season last year. Their quarterback, he's back healthy, and and him and Cameron Martin tonight, you know, really were kind of the the one two punch, and they both can run it a little bit, and and obviously Paul can throw it, and and I think you know both we didn't really know much about either of those teams just because they were coming off you know big week one wins, but usually if Lake is able to beat a team like Dover by a couple touchdowns, that's that's usually a sign that they got a pretty good team rolling. And, and uh, you look ahead of their schedule, I think they play Copley next week. Copley isn't quite as strong as they've been. Louisville on week four, they haven't been – they're not as quite as strong as they've been. So, uh, again, like just kind of like with Hoover, it sets up well if you can win a couple of those games and maybe not have to go four and two or five and one in the league to make the playoffs. If you can maybe do a, you know, a three and three the rest of the way and, and uh, you know, you got yourself in pretty good shape. Remember, FridayNightOhio.com is your home for Stark County area high school football throughout the 2018 season. Stories, scores, schedules, rosters, stats, you'll find it all there all year. Download the app and don't miss any of the news about your favorite teams and players. We're looking at eight teams that are 2-0 and here in Stark County. Hoover, Perry, Maslin, McKinley, Lake, East Canton, Sandy Valley, Northwest. Of of that group, who are you looking at that's going to be 8-0, 9-0, maybe looking at having one of those chances to, to run the table? Joe, somebody there jump out at you? Well, I'll take the easy one. I think Maslin. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> Maslin's clearly the team that that's been the most impressive through two weeks, and uh, y- you know, I mean, I think Perry's got a chance probably to be there too. I don't want to steal anybody else's pick, but they haven't quite been firing, firing on all cylinders yet. But you know, they kind of, what they showed tonight against Central is is pretty impressive. Cliff uh, Maslin off the table, thanks to Joe, and then he kind of cherry picked Perry. But uh, who, who are you looking at right now of those group that maybe you know can make a run at having a really big season? You know, a team that's really impressed me early on has been Sandy Valley. That that Fairless game I think opened a lot of eyes. They had a big game tonight. That's a team to keep an eye on. They have a great head coach there. I think they have a good offense. I think they have everything they need to be successful this year. They have a sophomore quarterback in Cameron Blair who started all last year. You saw him, uh, Mike, uh, I think maybe his high school debut you might have been at that game last year. Uh, Obviously having a a kid like you mentioned with Central Catholic, when you have a returning quarterback, that makes a big difference. Who are you looking at, Mike, that uh, could have a big season that's off to a 2-0 start? Well, without the risk of matching uh, picks here, okay, I'll throw out East Canton. I mean, they've had two decisive wins to start the season over uh, Smithville and uh, over Bishop Carroll of Pennsylvania. They haven't lost a regular season game since week three of last year. Um, I believe the, the regular season winning streak they're on right now might be their longest in about 30 years. So, I mean, if you're looking at a team that could, you know, be undefeated late in the season. I mean, they'd have a good shot at it. And I'm kind of interested to see how Cody Vacco continues to develop at quarterback. Um, looks like East Canton's more of a passing team this year uh, as compared to uh, a running team like they were. Uh, Cody Vacco throwing for, I believe it was 272 yards and four touchdowns uh, in their victory tonight over uh, Bishop Carroll. So, uh, you know, despite losing uh, – a good deal of uh, talented players from uh, uh, the team that won the IVC North last year uh, and made the playoffs again. Uh, looks like East Can's the real deal again this year. Talking about top performances of the night now, and Vaco's the guy that stood out to me with the 272, four touchdowns, seven TD passes now already for him as a 
brand new starter quarterback and uh, obviously a big reason for the early success for the Hornets. Joe, who are you looking at as your uh, performer of the night? Well, we haven't talked much about Jackson, but a nice win tonight. And, and Jake Ryan, their receivers, he had seven catches for 154 yards, three touchdowns against Mayfield. Um, Jackson's quarterback only completed eight passes, so seven of them against Jake, were to Jake Ryan. And, and you know, we kind of saw flashes last year what he could do. He had a really nice one-handed catch that was real famous. And, um, you know, it just he's a very talented guy. He's a, you know, he's a junior, so he's still developing. But you know, that's a huge night for him. Well, I'm going to go back to the Blaine Himmelheber well, and I'm going to try not to mispronounce it this time. But again, five touches through the air, 132 yards, one touchdown, one carry, 32 yards. That's nice work. Yeah, and I'll throw out uh, some. I'll throw out some guys who I saw tonight. Obviously, in uh, the Perry Central Catholic game, uh, Jaron Curtis. I mean, we've talked about him before. He's one of the top running backs in Stark County. 165 yards rushing and three touchdowns. And you know, I think what makes Perry's wing T. Uh, as powerful as it is, um, they have uh, multiple guys uh, who can hurt you in the backfield. Unlike you know maybe a few years ago, where when Keyshawn Sims was the guy, you know they have Jaron Curtis, they had Richard Coleman who rushed for over 100 yards uh, tonight. They have Shave uh, uh, Leitner who uh, uh, who had a long touchdown run called back t- uh, tonight because of one of uh, Perry's penalties. So. Uh, uh, those three guys really impressive for the Panthers. A big week uh, of football ahead of us uh, with, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Akron East at Hoover maybe being the, the the big game of week three. We'd like to thank you for downloading and listening to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. Check back for another podcast this Tuesday. For Cliff Hickman, Mike Popovich, Joe Scalzo, and Todd Porter, I'm Chris Bevin. Mm-hmm.